Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 2, and we're going to pick up our study today. Galatians chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading. We got down to verse 5 the other day, but let's go ahead and pick up in our reading at verse number 1 for context. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were reputation, reputation lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren who secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So as we discussed the other day, Paul, after 14 years, went back up to Jerusalem to make sure that they were both preaching the same gospel because brethren had snuck in privately and were teaching a gospel of works, teaching that you must first convert to Judaism before you could convert to Christianity. And of course, this meant keeping the laws, including the right of circumcision. So when a Jerusalem council took place in Acts chapter number 15, and we know the outcome of that, it was decided that the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised in order to be uh, Christians. So in verses four and five, Paul um, you know, had met a lot of these guys during his ministry. Uh, people, he said, that came in to take away their liberty and put them back under bondage. The false brethren were trying to bring them back or place them back under the law of Moses. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew twenty three twenty five, You are blind guides. You strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. I read an illustration several years ago that, that comes back to mind as I think of what it's like uh, trying to live under the law. It goes like this. A professional golfer by the name of Tommy Bolt was playing in Los Angeles, and he had a caddy with a reputation of constant chatter. Before they teed off, Bolt told him, Don't say a word to me, and if I ask you something, just answer with a yes or a no. During the round, Bolt found the ball next to a tree where he had hit under a branch, over a lake, and onto the green, and then he got down on his knees and he looked through the trees and sized up the shot. What do you think? He asked the caddy. Five iron? No, Mr. Bolt. The caddy said, What do you mean, not a five iron? Bolt snorted. Watch this shot. The caddy rolled his eyes. No, Mr. Bolt. But Bolt hit, hit the ball anyway, and it stopped about two feet from the hole. He turned to his caddy, handed him the five iron, and said, Now what do you think about that? You can talk now. Mr. Bolt, the caddy said, that wasn't your ball. Yep, that's what that about sums it up. Legalism takes all of the fun out of being a child of the king. Now some say today that you have to keep the Sabbath to be saved, for example. Now the Sabbath means that you need to go to church on Saturday. Well, what about the rest of the law? I mean, why just randomly select the Sabbath? Um, how about keeping, sacrificing animals for sins or stoning 
fornicators or killing adulterers. Why just that one? You know, Paul reminds us in Galatians 5, 1 through 4, to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, referring to the law. And if you be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And that doesn't just refer to circumcision. It means if you try to put yourself back under the law, Christ will profit you nothing. Every man that is circumcised or every man that puts himself back under the law is a debtor to do the whole law. I mean, you can't just pick and choose which part of the law you want to obey and which part of the law you want to ignore, like those who teach that you have to keep the Sabbath. Christ has become no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you have actually fallen from grace. Paul is telling the Galatians, listen, you know, if you want to put yourself back under the law, you're going to have to put yourself back under the entire law. And if you put yourself back under the law and you walk away from the liberty that's been afforded to you by Christ, then you have fallen from grace. You are no longer walking in grace, but now you're walking back under the law. If you live under the law or, or you accept the completed work of Christ on Calvary, it's that simple. You cannot do one without forfeiting the other. And then in verse number six, he says, Galatians 2 uh, verse 6, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. In this verse, Paul is referring to the apostles, whom he had never sought in regards to the revelations that he had received after his conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9. You'll remember that as soon as Paul was saved, he didn't run up to Jerusalem to speak to the most eminent of the apostles, Peter, James, John, none of those. He went out into the desert of Arabia for three years. Now, at first glance, this seems a little harsh on the part of Paul. I mean, it sounds like he's got something against these guys. However, most believe that the literal translation is a, a little harsher than what Paul really meant for it to be. He is just stating that they agreed with him and acknowledged that all men are the same before God, they being the most eminent of the apostles, Peter, James, and John, those guys. So he's just saying that we're all in agreement, that we're all the same before God. Paul had no hostility toward the other apostles, as the verse would seem to indicate based on the literal translation. And then in verse number seven, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, referring to the Gentiles, as the gospel for the circumcised, referring to the Jews, was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. So Paul, throughout his ministry, was known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And Peter, throughout his ministry, was known as the apostle to the Jews. And then he says in verse number 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles, and in turn they would go to the circumcised, or to the Jews, is what he's saying there. 
so they went to the Jews. Um, again, the translation about them seeming to be pillars is a little harsh. He is simply saying that an agreement was made about who was to go to whom. Barnabas and Paul, they were going to continue to go to the Gentiles, and the rest of the apostles were going to continue to preach the gospel to the Jews. And understand, there's only two types of people on this earth in God's eyes, Jews, Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And he says in verse 10, they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So part of the agreement that was made between Paul and the other apostles was that the poor should be remembered. You know, Jesus had a very special place in his heart for the poor. He said in Mark 14, 7, for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, and you may do, to, do good to them, but me you do not have always. James also said in James 1, 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. So the agreement was Paul would take his gospel to the Gentiles. The other apostles would take their gospel to the Jews. God bless you guys. Hope that you have an awesome day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and is working all things out for your good.